The following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Okay, so uh, um, as we know, if you haven't noticed, cell phones have become very popular the last few years. No, when? And, <laughs> and <laughs> it's so there are dangerous consequences to owning a cell phone, um, and we, we'd like to address some of them today. Specifically, I'm going to talk about the monetary aspect also, but um, obviously mobile communications have been linked to um, significant increases in distracted driving. Um, it doesn't take much to notice it when the guy in front of you on 610 is going uh, 45 miles an hour. Yeah. And you don't know why. And he's in the middle lane. It's usually when you pass by or he's swerving out of his lane. It's usually because he's, he's uh, t texting or mm -hmm. some other, doing something else. Other uh, social media, posting on his Facebook, his status, that there is traffic on the 610 or whatever the case is, um, and usually, and he's the cause for the traffic, not realizing that. So first of all, we'd like to welcome Brian Black, who's a social media guru. Um, he's going to maybe help us out here, um, sorting out some of these, some of these um, questions. But uh, the, so the first thing is, I quote here, the statistics, some of the statistics, um, from the National Highway Traffic, Traffic Safety Administration reported that in 2012, driver distraction was the cause of 18% of all fatal crashes, with 3,328 people killed, and crashes resulting in an injury, with 420,000 people wounded. By the way, on, on the way here, on the billboard on 59, before you exit Buffalo Speedway, it says in Texas, I believe it was 1,333 accidents this year so far. Um, I don't know if they're all related to texting and driving, but I'm sure many of them are. Deaths. Yeah. Deaths. That's a pretty scary number. Right. Well, yeah. There's accidents and deaths. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In the state of Texas. 40% of all American teens say they have been in a car when the driver used the cell phone in a way that puts people in danger, according to Pew Survey. The Virginia Tech Transportation Institute found that text messaging creates a crash risk 23 times worse than driving while not distracted. 11% um, of drivers aged 18 to 20 were involved in an automobile accident and survived, admitted they were sending or receiving texts when they crashed. Okay, so, so uh, this is very nice. It sounds like it's about teens only, but I will admit um, I'm no longer a teenager and I have violated this. Uh, I've had text and drive. I do text and drive, unfortunately. Only at stoplights. Yes. Um, but it's, it's something that I think it's, it's a very serious thing. I'm going to show a video which I've showed um, my children, my wife showed it to her, to her classes. Um, and then we'll address it from, by the way, in the state of Texas, there's no state law forbidding, prohibiting texting while driving. Bel Air has one. Bel Air has one. West oh, U, I believe, also has one. But Houston uh, does not. Um, state does not. Governor Perry was very against it. Maybe with his new governor, they, I think he actually did discuss that he is... Um, he might pass a law about texting. So I don't know if that will happen. But he did. Yes. Session's over to get. Yeah, why why would somebody be against that? I, yes. Can you explain that to me? Question. That is, that's ridiculous. Uh, ridiculous. The, the governor 
mantra is it's uh, interference with one's personal freedom. freedom. Yeah. So okay. On that basis, he's opposed to requirement of, of seat belts, uh, helmets for motorcycle riders. Mm -hmm. Right. On it's a slippery slope. If you prohibit texting, then they might. Be then, yeah, Next. it might be uh, take other. away your gun. It might then not allow you to carry a gun. Connection. So the the uh, the point is clearly it's a dangerous thing. We're going to discuss that. I'll show you this very scary video, very sad video. Um, and then we, this again in like I said in Texas itself currently there is no state law. Houston is is not prohibited. Um, but I think school zones it is even within Houston when the yellow light is flashed. Any states have laws? I, th I believe it's at 33. If I remember the number correctly, you can look it up. But so I'm going to show you this video quickly. It's a long video, but I think it's worth just for if you have children or if you do this yourself. This is very. Can you see? Can everyone see the the screen? I don't know if I hope you'll be able to hear. This video was produced by AT&T, by the way. It's called the last My name is Grant Hendricks. I'm a trooper with the Missouri State Highway Patrol. I'm at the site of Mariah West's accident. Mariah's vehicle traveled across this median and ended in uh, striking the bridge that you can see behind me. When I got to the scene, her face was disfigured from sliding down the roadway. It's, it's funny, the, the first thing I noticed about her was her shoes. <laughs> Lying in the roadway in a, in a large pool of blood, I noticed her shoes and I thought, this is a young girl. That's the first thing I thought when I saw this. And at that point is when I noticed her cap and gown was still in her car. She was going to graduate the next day. It was just a really horrific scene. All because of a senseless text message. It's just sad. Sorry, it's just... through the driver's side door. 
and she landed in the ditch about 300 feet from her truck. People will tell you over and over again, it's not your fault. But knowing that you were the person that she was talking to when she was killed. Just let me, having a highway patrol officer write in a report that a text message sent at 12.05 is the reason that she is dead is not something that will ever go away. If I could talk to her one last time, I would just say I'm sorry. This is her cell phone that she used in the accident. Four little letters. Dad's quite killed her. You never really think about it, but people associate drinking and driving as a dangerous thing. Your vision's impaired, your judgment's impaired. But if you look at texting and driving, your vision's not even there. You're not even looking at the road. drive down the road and close your eyes for five seconds or six seconds. I would, I would never even attempt that. But then if someone asks, read, read this text message and respond to that in about the same length of time, well, that would no, be no problem. I've done that numerous times in the past before this accident. I was on my way home. I had my girlfriend in the car, and I'm just reading a text message, responding. I was looking up every couple seconds or so, like I always did. And I just hear a loud scream next to me. And the next second I look up and I see a bicyclist crashing the windshield. When I got out of the car, he didn't have a pulse. He wasn't breathing. He wasn't alive. There are no words to describe the level of grief, the level of depression and self-hatred I was going through. My first year of college, I just remember one girl recognizing me and saying, oh, I, I remember hearing about you. You're that guy who hit the bicyclist because you were texting and driving. That was actually the day before I ended up going to the hospital for emotional problems. I sent one stupid, meaningless text, LOL, and killed a man. People don't realize it could just take three seconds. I was going to the movies and the car just went directly into the tree and it was a direct collision. I was the passenger. I collided with the tree on my right temple and I was declared dead on the scene three times. I used to be able to drive. I used to be able to go for walks. I used to be able to run around town by myself. I used to have a job. I was normal. And all this I, I cannot do anymore because they had the text.
This is the text message that changed my life forever. The day before graduation, my daughter drove to go meet a boy. And she never made it. Today, she would have been 19 years old, exactly. Mariah never wanted a minute to go by that she wasn't doing something. She wanted to do everything all at one time with friends and family and just having a good time. That's what she loved. Friends would tell me from school that, you know, the best part of the day at school was Mariah coming down the hall because she'd stop to give everyone a hug. Okay, guys, in honor of Mariah. She had met a guy, played baseball, and one evening she just spontaneously got in a car and said, hey, I'm going to come watch this game. He was texting her to tell her directions of where she needed to go, and I guess she just looked away for too long. Where, where are you at, you know? That, that was it. One of her friends had no idea that she had been in an accident, so he kept texting. We ended up having to send him a text back to say, please stop, she's in critical condition in the hospital and we don't know if she'll even make it. She always worked her magic, you know, and still to this day, without her being here, she's so much still a part of our lives every day. She was our sunshine. She really was. Got the message. She was. Okay. I think we got the message. Message. Very bad. Um, so, Scotty, you want to read it? 40, 46 minutes now. Draws on the books about texting, no texting and driving. Only 14, only 14 states have banned it, but 46 have laws in school so zones or whatever. Okay, so, so there's two aspects to it. One, the first thing is clearly based on the numbers and, and a lot of what we've seen, it's, it's dangerous to text and drive. That's not the issue. So now, the, halachically, before we get to the liability issue, just as far as yourself doing and doing it, whether there's a law in the books or not, is irrelevant. As far as the Torah is concerned, so we, as we discussed in the past, there is a prohibition of placing your life in danger. That's a biblical prohibition, which I quote here is, is uh, based on the verse in Deuteronomy. It says, take heed and watch yourselves very carefully. Is the verse mentioned twice in Deuteronomy. Um, which the Talmud understands from there that to do anything that will endanger your life, whether it is, again, it's depending, the question is always how to define risk, as we discussed in the past. That's a little harder, but in this case, I don't think there's any question um, this is considered endangering your life, meaning texting while you're driving is endangering your life. The question would be uh, cell phones and other things where maybe some studies show the numbers are not that much different, but that, that no, that's the question, meaning where do you draw the line? But texting and driving, I don't think there's any question. Yeah. Is there a difference halakhically between endangering your life and endangering the lives of others? 
Well, we'll the reason why I mention if you don't wear a seatbelt, you're endangering your life, but you're probably not endangering anybody else. Okay, Same so that's, a, that's a good question. When you're in a motor right, you're saying is there a problem with, is there a difference between endangering your own life and someone? So the, the first thing is, we're talking about this, the first step is that this prohibition is endangering your own life. It says, the mode is not right. your own life. That's step number one. Um, so that's texting and driving is doing that too. And now, um, you're also endangering other people's lives, which is becomes, besides the liability issue, which we're going to discuss, there's, there is another verse. Um, I think it's not quoted until the end, number 10, which says um, the verse in discussing, um, first of all, it talks about placing a parapet on your roof. Um, there is a biblical obligation. If you have, if, if you have any landing, either it's a staircase or, or a porch or patio, which is above Ten um, which is approximately, I don't know, maybe six or seven feet high, the Torah obligates you to put a, a gate around it. A biblical obligation, one of the 613 commandments. The understanding there in the Torah's language is do not place, should not have blood in your household. Meaning, for you to have a dangerous situation um, or to be the cause of a dangerous situation, for example, even having, and we have probably discussed this here in the past, discussed it for sure in other places, which is, let's say, owning a pit bull, something like that, where there's a danger, or having a pet tarantula um, or cobra in your home which could endanger other people's lives, is, is also prohibited biblically. So it's a separate prohibition besides this one. So there's one, day, there's one prohibition, which is a Torah prohibition, again, a biblical prohibition, it's not rabbinical, which is endangering your own life. So that's doing anything with which endanger your life. So I'd put here, let's say, skiing, bungee jumping, hunting, which again, those are questionable. Those numbers are maybe negligible compared to texting while driving. Texting while driving, I don't think anyone would disagree, would fit into this prohibition. Um, then there's a second prohibition, which again, which is in um, also in Deuteronomy, which says, "Do not place blood in your in your household." That means having something in your household which is dangerous um, is also is also prohibited. Um, so, so clearly they're both it's two different prohibitions. It's a good point you're making, but they're both biblically prohibited to endanger your own life and to endanger someone else's life. Again, you have to ascertain the risk in every situation. But I don't think, based on, again, if these numbers, the studies are correct, they're saying about texting and driving, there's no question they would both fit into this prohibition. Okay? So now the question is really liability. Um, what happens if, God forbid, someone was in a situation like that and he did, say, he injured someone else or injured someone else's property? So the question then becomes how, as far as at least Torah law, their liability. Um, I don't know enough about the second law, how it works. I'm assuming the state is their laws of manslaughter. I know there was a case they read about in New York of a teenage girl who, who hit someone while she was texting. And she, she, I know it was, a criminal, it was a criminal case. Again, I don't know how familiar how it works in different states with the various laws. But we're going to address it, from the, again, from the halachic perspective. Now, the issue here is there's two issues. You'd say it's simple. Listen, person was an idiot. They were texting while driving, of course they should be liable for any ensuing damage. There's two issues that are relevant. Um, I believe we have brought them up in various contexts in the past. Issue number one is, in general, um, when, when you're in Jewish law, damages, when it comes to what's called grama, that means they're, they're, you just caused it to happen, but you didn't actually intentionally do the damage, do an action of damage, what's known as grama, um, in, in the English translation of the word would be causation, so then there's, as far as damages are concerned, there's less um, liability. 
okay, when, in cases of causation. So like the classical case we discussed many times in the past is someone's uh, throwing something out the window, uh, you know, expensive vase, a crystal vase, a vase, I don't know how you, which, where you're from, how you pronounce it, throwing it out the window and there's a mattress on the floor, there's something that's going to catch the vase, okay? And you go ahead, you're passing by and you just pull away the mattress. Okay, so you're not doing any, you didn't break the vase, you just pulled away the mattress. So in, in Jewish law, that's a case of grama or gami causation. And in, according to many authorities in the Talmud, you're not liable when the vase hits the floor. So even though without you pulling away the mattress, it would have hit the mattress, and it would have been fine. It wouldn't have broken. The fact that you're not doing an act to the vase itself, you're just caused yeah, it to be broken. You're not liable unless you would have foreseen, unless yeah. you were acting intentionally. No, even, even intention, according to the Talmud, yeah. Even if you intentionally pulled it away. But the point is, you didn't perform an act which is di a direct breaking, a direct damage of the valve. It's not direct. It's indirect in the sense of, it was in the air already, um, it was coming down, and you just pulled away, the, you didn't do anything to the vase. You just did a, a separate act which happened to cause the vase to break. Well, to be the cause of the vase breaking. If I extrapolate, yes. a person's jumping out of a burning building, and the firemen are down there with the, the tarp, and you push them out of the way and the guy falls to his death under that right, extrapolation, so murder, you know, tough luck. So unintentional <laughs> homicide might be different. Homicide is different than damages. Okay? Where he breaks his elbow. Yeah, so, that, right, so, then so let's take it away from So that homicide. might be different. We're going to discuss it, but that's what we're saying. Okay, well, yeah. I understand the concept. Maybe I don't agree either. You don't have to agree. After. However, yeah. in the case of texting, I don't think there's the same connection. Inherently, if you text, you're liable because it's, you're not moving a magic. You're causing the action. Whether or not you get away with it and you don't have an accident, no. you're responsible for the text. So, so I don't. No, but it's not it's the not texting like that killed the person. The, the texting didn't kill it. Again, it's well, causation. The, the texting technically the texting was caused you to be was distracted. The cause of the accident. No, one second. But that doesn't mean it killed. Meaning, what I'm saying is, um, right? If if I if my mechanic didn't fix the brakes, so I didn't take my car and to get my brakes checked. Yes, there's a negligence there, the fact that I didn't do that. But it, there was no, uh, the, you can't hold the mechanic liable, meaning as far as this is concerned, it's not direct causation of the accident. I, I, Cause I, the accident to happen. I, I'm stopping a little short of where you are, though. I'm curious whether the public as a whole knows how dangerous it is. Okay. Well, that's, a, that's another, so, that's a different question. That's a very know, good question. Think how many years it took for people to widely accept that cigarette smoking is bad for you. Or even drunk driving. Or drunk driving. We still drink and smoke cigarettes. Right. But, 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 but now, now, yes, now you can't, but you can't sure, claim you didn't know. survey the public and say that anybody doesn't know. That it's right. People know for sure. Right. And there have been Most tons of campaigns from all of the cell phone companies to, as well as, as local governments well, to no, show no, how dangerous I think, it was. I think David's right. It takes like time for, uh, to digest AT the danger. Right. 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 So, that, so that, that's exactly the point. Do you, do you say AT&T is exactly? That's exactly the point. You're saying the fact that I'm testing is direct cause of the accident. It's true. It's caused the accident. But you can say, listen, just like uh, Philip Morris is responsible for some people hold them responsible for many of the deaths. You know, because they, unless they totally put warning now, they have to obligate legally for warnings maybe there should be a built-in thing in your phone when when the phone's in motion which by the way there are apps 
good to know this. There I, are I, apps I that do that I, now. Really? You can download an app for your teenager's or phone. Or there's now technology well, that, 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 well, that can turn it off your phone. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so the question is maybe AT&T is liable that they're not putting this technology in every phone. How about the car companies that you know for years fought seatbelts as being too expensive? Yeah. Well, well, airbags. Belts, I mean, or airbags or seatbelts, airbags. That, that's airbags all be in the my car. Uh -huh. I mean, that my seatbelt is airbags. not. Even if I wear an accident, it's I, I'm not a danger to anybody without other than myself without a seatbelt. Testing, you're a danger to everyone on that road. So, so I can't. I can't There's have the same correlation to you that like, oh, it's a mattress with a piano, or oh, it's unintentional. Even it, it, it is intentional. It is. By using it inherently, it is intentional. What is Because you are taking your eyes off the road. Right. The thing that's intentional is that you've chosen, chosen. to pay less attention right. to the road or to, you didn't, no one chooses when they get drunken in the car, no one chooses or intends for there to be an accident, but they did intend to to drink and drink. They made a decision yeah. and, and made the choice do, to do and it. then do a yeah. dangerous thing, just right. as if they were to, you can't go into work drunk if you work in a machine shop because you're also going to be a danger to, to others as well. And they said, well, we have safety regulations stating if you work on an oil rig, you have to come in under certain regulations because it's a safety hazard. Yeah, so there's no question. We're not saying there's no, there, there's no negligence. We're going to talk about that on the, on the part of the perpetrator. The question is, and this is a general, forgetting, forgetting texting, forgetting dangerous situation, car accident, is that... Is that damage by causation or is that damage direct damage? Meaning, how do you view cars? Meaning, I'm as the person, I'm not damaging the other car. It's my car, right? I'm stepping on the gas. Let's say I stepped on the gas instead of the brake. And I had to stop. A guy stops in front of me, right? And I stepped on the gas instead of the brake. So, did, is it me? Meaning, I'll just tell you, explain. There's two things to understand here. First of all, halacha is not always logical, which is fine. Okay. Right? <laughs> it doesn't have to be logical. It's something called a chok. The Torah gives clear parameters for how the laws of damages are concerned. We're going to talk about that, meaning how, how we decide damages in Jewish law. Now, in a case, for example, in the olden days, before they had cars, if your ox went and, and, uh, and you know, gored someone else, there's this whole, the Torah discusses this extensively. So how do we view a car? Right? So it's not, clearly, if my ox went and gored someone, it's not, I didn't do the act of damage. It's not a human damage. It's my ox. So the question is, according to, according to what you just said, do we view the car as synonymous with the axe, therefore it's not the, the human damage, meaning it's not a criminal act. If my axe, axe damages someone, even if I'm negligible no. in the fact that I didn't I put a good enough fence around my field, so is it monetary damages or is it, that, that's the question. So you're agreeing that my car is not necessarily me, that's really the issue. Do I view my car as me? Well, not, well okay, now that's I number disagree one. because I... I but you just said, you just said <laughs> well, well, an axe okay, is synonymous with your car. If I'm driving the axe... Anyway. Okay, okay, that's a good but question. If I'm not driving the ox, I'm still liable for that ox. You understand? In a, in so a certain sense, there's yeah. my car. But I'm less sense, it, but we don't I'm view it as you. My point is, we don't view it as you did the damage. If I'm it's driving your ox the ox, did the damage. yes, I agree. Okay, okay but, but if you're out in a pasture and it does it itself, you're not as, as responsible. But what I'm saying is that not. The, so we can't say a car and an ox are the same. An ox, there's a car, if you leave a car by itself, it's not good. But if you leave an ox by itself, it could do well, things. Yeah. No, but but, but, but the point is like this. Right? You're right. The point is like this. If I, I could have trained my ox, I could have took it to obedience school, you have training for your animals today. Right? So the same thing. If I didn't fix my brakes, no difference than my car. I could have fixed, done, put better brakes on my car. The fact, I didn't have the good tires. I didn't, and my tires didn't have 
you know, they were, they were down the treads, but I was cheap, I didn't change it, which I am guilty of all the time, right? So many of us are, so does that make me lie? Meaning, I'm not sure it's different than an axe. Why, you know, why we view a car? You should have trained your axe not to, not to, uh, not to, not to gore people, right? You could have trained, you could have took it to the same thing. You could have put on better tires in your car. I chose the cheaper tires with the thinner threads. Does that make me liable no. now when I brake and it, the braking distance is not as good? Because how do you view that? It's not me that's doing the damage. Okay, so th it's not so simple. I'm, not, I'm just saying, it's not simple. I don't have all the answers either. I'm not but, sure. uh, by the way, I think it is a little simpler. There are objective yeah. tests, and in the court of law, there is a reasonable man standard. And so, okay. you know, you can look at the tires and somebody can say, and objective experts can say, those were bad tires, and he should have known, and there's a reasonable man. 100%, 100%, I agree, but the question is, is it me that did the damage? On that reasonable man standard. No, no, the, yeah, I agree with you, David, I agree 100%. The issue is, yes, so I was responsible to change out those tires, I didn't, but is it me that did the damage, or is it again, how do we Drivers cause car crashes, cars cause car crashes. That's the NRA argument. I know my neighbor has a pit bull. The pit bull's out, and in a fence yard and he's running around. I go and I, I jump over the fence and want to play with the pit bull. The pit bull attacks and kills me. Is that all the responsible for that action? No. It was, well, was fenced in. No, right. no, 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 no. But if the pit bull Gets out of my gets out of my yard. And the tennis So who's negligible? Actually, in law, there's something called an attractive nuisance. So you are probably not. Uh, going to be subject to that, but if you're a six-year-old child, and the f and and it's mm -hmm. the owner could be liable and responsible. Because the fact under the theory, he jumped over the fence to see the dog. You, you have a swimming pool, right? And you haven't properly secured your pool, mm -hmm. and a kid jumps over. Well, right. Right. That's right. not. We well, say if you have what else can you? Didn't kill him. Yeah, but what else are you going to do if you let if your dog wants to, if you let the dog outside and you got a fence yard? Well, that's what the Torah says. You shouldn't have a pit bull. Right. <laughs> but you have, a, you have respond. You know, apartment projects have to keep their pools properly locked. Everyone, and maintained with, apartment. Everyone, with individual. Right. Well, we had to a do that. Yeah. That a kid can't open. Right. Under the attractive nuisance theory, you can't make it that they can get through it. That's a hard argument, though, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> texting, so the police report says at 12.05, the text caused the accident, yet you're telling, you're suggesting that perhaps... I'm, I'm not, that, no, that the that's we're all agreeing that the text did. caused the accident. The question again is, is it me, is it, is it the animal, is it the human who, who killed, the, killed the person, yeah, the biker, the or is it the car? That's how do we view it? Do we view it as you or, like, or your... I mean, it's just very... It's it's a, we're all agreeing. He's saying he's liable. He's just saying the car did it, not Yeah, the, the question is, do we view it as the human who yeah, killed the person? Yeah, step away already. Yeah. Right. Well, it's just the question. And it's like the pool. Is it the fence? Meaning, do you say if someone climbed over your fence, like he said, you didn't you didn't have a fence up the code. It was one, it was a half foot, six inches below below and a child climbs in. So did you kill the child or did the fence? Who killed it? Was it your pool or the child? So that's the question. Why is the car, why are you having such a problem with the car? It's the same issue. Yeah, okay. Is my negligence, yes, that caused it 100%.
We're not discussing. We're not arguing. But if you, you can, can say the car killed, climbing the fence, and you didn't down. kill him, you can so say the same thing. My pool killed him. Listen, didn't why? Him. Why didn't I kill I him? I didn't put my fence high enough. Hard leap there. Why? Why is it? I hear leap. The pool now is What about driving a car? Trying to get what about the mechanic fix your brakes and then so two weeks later your brakes go out? So the question is, is the real question here? We'll talk about in a second. Is your car an extension of you or not? That's the question. It's not that. Yeah. Let's say you have a car. Even if you distinguish that, it was you got your pool lock. But like, he's so got the fence together. You see the lively discussion you got going here? What is the cause? Then the question is, they don't say was that the you. the person in their intent. Was that you say it was drowning that caused that was the cause of death? And then they go and look for what caused that death. What caused that death? Yeah, so that's our standard. Yeah, so that's our standard. That thing is very hard to build your fence because if, if we agree with Rabbi to the car kill, you're one step away in your punishment. What are those standards? Yes, of course. That's the question. And so, yeah. and so I'm, you're happy that I'm not trying to fight this. I understand. I'm not a fan. You're happy that right. the car restaurant should say the food should be exactly. Okay, you run out of time. So let's see. Let's see what the response is. Regulation. Right. I'm not unhappy with that. So we talk. Well, that's a different question. Regulation. But so so this is. The precedent case I found. I haven't found a, a response that discusses texting as of yet, um, but this is the, the precedent case. Address it directly. What? The Bible didn't speak to it directly. <laughs> the Bible doesn't talk about it. So this was a, a response well, written <laughs> by Rabbi Vadia Yosef. This has been written by Vadia Yosef. The name of the book is Yabi Omer. This is volume number nine. There are ten volumes currently no, I'm only through volume in print. Um, uh, so this is volume number nine in Choshen Mishpat. Uh, which is the laws, monetary laws. So he uh, he discusses here a case. Interesting question was posed to him. This was someone offered someone a ride. He was traveling, doesn't say from where, but he's going to Haifa. To, to Haifa, he offered a friend a ride, or the friend asked him for a ride. He was doing a friend a favor. The guy fell asleep at the wheel, um, and uh, he dozed off. Accident. The guy was injured. No one died in the accident, but. It was a bad accident. The guy was in the hospital for a month, I think he says here. Um, and then he wants to obviously charge his friend jet damages from the halachic perspective. It's being addressed. So, um, so he starts off saying like this. He says, so there's a concept. The, the question again is becomes here: Do we view the driver as what's called an onus? Onus means it was, you know, listen, he was beyond his control. He lost, he lost control of the car. You know what? Well, listen, he fell asleep. Was that his fault that he fell asleep at the wheel? Yes. Um, okay. Yes. Or the other side of the coin is what's known as pshia. Pshia means is the Hebrew word for negligence. So, do we view the driver falls asleep at the wheel negligent, or something is beyond his control? You know. Oh. At the, okay. I don't think there's a question. Yeah. Okay. Depending. Okay. Well, did he have a good night's sleep the night before? That's that could be part of the question. Guy slept nine hours the night before. You know, well, he did everything he's supposed to. He slept the uh, requisite he did amount. Do everything he was supposed to. There are guidelines from from any number of things uh, that you can find everywhere that talks about a time limit of how long you're supposed to drive before you switch with another driver. If there's no other driver, you need to, and you feel that that tiredness coming on. And I do this all the time on big trips. I'll go find a parking lot, 
and I'll take a little nap. Try that place. never works for me. Uh, me either. I open your windows and yeah, I just well, but, turn off the radio. But, but whatever, it is, by, uh, whatever it is that you do, it's mm -hmm. way better than than the alternative, mm -hmm. even if yes. it's a, a brief hotel motel room stay. So right. he absolutely should have. It realized that that was happening and then taken the necessary steps afterwards. So Ravad Yosef agrees with you. Mm -hmm. he, so he says like this, he says, uh, he says like this, he says there's a concept, he says even if you want to say in this case what's called tchila, there's a concept that Talmud discusses, what's called there was negligence at one point in time but at the end the negligence caused something beyond your control. So he says that also the Talmud says you're still liable, even in the case where meaning the negligence was, let's say, yesterday. But now that action, that my negligence of yesterday, the classical case, like a pool, like we're saying, the, you didn't build your wall, or a pool. Or the, the case he actually discusses was, um, the Arzurua discusses, which is a Rishon, an early authority, discusses a case, he, he quotes here, where you have a watchman, um, that's, that's, that's pretty liable, similar. He said, okay, that, let's take a different case, where, um, meaning there was negligence a while back, but right now, but that negligence from a week ago caused the action, the accident to happen now. Today it was an accident, but it was based on yesterday's negligence. Okay, again, that's in Hebrew the term, the Talmudic term is tchilasa b'pshia. Originally it was negligent, but now it's something beyond its control at this point. So since, but since the original negligence caused the beyond the control, he says that's sufficient to, uh, to hold you liable. It happens to be in this case, the guy agreed, he hadn't slept at all the night before, the driver. So in this case, there's not even a question. If the guy admitted to being up, he says it would be prohibited to get, for him to get behind the wheel, and that's 100% negligence. It's not even negligence that ended up as something beyond control. That's 100% negligence. But he says, even if the guy would have slept eight hours the night before, and then he falls asleep at the wheel, he says, um, like, like he's like Brian saying, he said he should have pulled, he says there's no such thing as just immediately getting tired. Right. Tired is, right. comes in stages, so you feel tired feel like you start getting tired at that point there's negligence the fact that you're not pulling over the side of the road he says there's no question um, as I put here he says uh, so similarly when the driver dozed off was obviously unintentional and beyond his control however getting behind the wheel with the knowledge that he had not sufficiently slept the night before is clearly negligent therefore based on this concept the driver's dozing off is viewed as negligence and is liable for all damages now um, again he says even, even if he would have slept the night before he said still a problem so he quotes the second thing here number four what I quoted was from him so the ruling of the Orzurah supports this approach the Orzurah ruled that a watchman who fell asleep on the job and allowed the item to be stolen <coughs> is considered negligent in his lab so you have a security guard mm -hmm. falls asleep on the job he says um, that's what his precedent case is that he brings from early authority there's no question he's liable to pay for the full damages um, if the item is stolen he explains that while falling asleep may be uncontrollable, the watchman knew that his job was to be awake and should have sufficiently slept before. The fact that he's falling asleep on the job is sufficient reason to consider him negligent on the job and liable to pay the damages. Okay, so that's, that's number one. So he very clearly states that. He also quotes another response, which I didn't know. Someone was driving to, from Montreal to New York, which is, he says uh, is a long, much longer trip than his first case. And he says clearly the same thing there. He, it was an accident, guy fell asleep at the wheel, um, and some of the passengers were injured. So he says again, there's no question, um, he's obligated to pay all forms of damages, and we'll get to those various forms of da uh, damages. And then he says that also this, this question was sent to someone else, another rabbi in Israel, 
name was uh, Shmuel Vazner. Recently died, actually died this year. Um, interestingly enough, once around that happened, this guy, I don't know if you remember reading, it was, a few, it was right before Passover, I think. Erev Pesach, this guy's funeral was, he was 102 years old. At his funeral, people were trampled, if you remember reading the story. Mm-hmm. The funeral in Israel, it was like something like, you know, 15,000 people at the funeral, and two people die, were trampled at this guy's funeral. This guy here actually is writing his question. So the question is that itself a liability, similar question. They didn't, um, it was a small space, it was a synagogue, where only, let's say, whatever it was, a certain amount of people were able to, they were taking the body down the staircase, the, the um, after the funeral, and that's where people got trampled on the stairs. So they, they said people, it was this, interestingly enough, it's a liability issue. Um, you, have, you plan a funeral with, with such massive people, you know such massive people are going to come, um, where you're not taking preca- the proper precautions for these people. Why well, not suggesting that God the rabbi was liable. Oh, no, he died. Yeah, why didn't the I'm just, just pointing out at his own funeral, this similar question arose. But it's interesting. Be yeah, whoever <laughs> planned the funeral. No, it was just a mass crush. I understand that it's a mass, but the question is the people who planned the funeral, are they liable? They couldn't tell they were on top of another person? <laughs> no, I'm saying it's just when you have, you ever been to a Grateful Dead concert, you know that there's a, you know, you've been to, yeah, just, you can't control, you, you, you as in the crowd can't control <laughs> where you're, you're being pushed together, to. together, we can't No, no. No, if you had it in the compact center and you were in the compact center, would be alive. Yeah, I'm saying, it seems never, Brian, never been to a Grateful Dead concert. Clearly, never been to a, a dead concert. At concerts, when people are too close and they start crowding you, what you do is you publicly shame them until they start creating some space. I don't know if that works. Can't usually. I'm not sure that works. Very hard to shame people at concerts. <laughs> on on uh, Black Friday, when they're mobbed yes, the yeah. to yeah. Walmart, Walmart right. shame is not going to move anyone. When that door's open, no, those everybody crushes through. Are insane. It's, you can't do it. Okay, well, that's, that's, that's by definition, that's what a crowd is. That happened a few years ago in Walmart, yes. New York. So about the soccer game. You got unruly people. Who's responsible? Is the venue responsible for Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Why not the soccer players? They're the ones who create all the hype and all the excitement. <laughs> they're not in there. They're not, they're not management. Wait a second, that's marketing myself. I can't do it. Right, it is management. It's management. So I'm sitting that's at the, the venue. That's the guy on Twitter. That's I, the guy who's live. And, and I decide that I'm going to beat the hell out of Ruben, right? And I and that venue's responsible because I beat him up. No, no. no. But you're supply the proper. You're making an apples and oranges. You're yes. talking about a crowd control, right? And, and how many people are allowed into the venue versus what you've undertaken as an individual right. to do? I don't know about that. Right, meaning you're really? live, but if it's your facility, you're allowing no. more people than no. the code allows. If the facility gave you too much alcohol, and you're well, that's playing an inventory, that's but, but you as an individual, they can't be liable for you. Yeah, so that's so that's one, of, well, one that's other precedent case. That's not what I'm saying. That's not at all what I'm saying. No? No. You're taking your individual action of, of striking out to beat somebody up right. doesn't have anything to do with the management's responsibility. 
Well, if there's 20 or 30 unruly people with that game, okay? No, they say maybe they should have ejected him if he was drunk, or, you know, that, that might be something else. Right. Yeah. That's not the example. No, yeah. We were talking about trampling. That's different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Talking yeah. about a crowd out of control. Right. control. And crowd how many people were allowed the into the venue, yes. and did they make proper precautions? Right now, if you go to a sporting event, if you pay any attention, you'll see that, you know, at, at halftime, intermission, anytime, there's a ring of people surrounding the court yeah, that right. you can't go on. Right. Well, that's right. a management response. Management has said, we've assessed the circumstance, and here's the amount of security and control we need in our place. But when you hang out at the riot that happens after University of Arizona, bear down, go Wildcats, um, when there's a riot after one of the games, like the people who are liable, I mean, then they transfer the, if you well, go and hang out at a riot, <coughs> that's your fault right. because there was a clear, dangerous situation that you yeah, should have avoided. That's a different question. That's the other building, and you choose to do it outside. The bad management has nothing to do with that. I agree with that. Right. But I, because you win a baseball game doesn't mean the, they're, they're managed responsible either. So let's see. So another precedent, interesting, this is a case from the Maril, who lived uh, probably 1500s. He says like this, he writes about a tragic incident where a woman mistakenly smothered her baby. So she took her baby into her bed, and the, and the woman rolled over and smothered her baby. So he maintains that allowing the infant to sleep next to her is close to intentional homicide. The, okay, that's what the Maril says. Then the Hassam self explains that although falling asleep is not controllable, right, that's, that's not necessarily controllable, the woman should have not have kept her infant next to her. Okay, so you, maybe it was uncontrolled, the fact, listen, she was in bed, she fell asleep. For this reason, if the mother had taken the child, he says, to her bed to feed him and fell asleep as she was caring for the child, she's not at fault. There's not need atonement because she was doing the best she could to care for the child. But the fact that what? If she's Which feeding way? and something happens because they generally... She fell asleep. Well, no, fall say asleep. she fell asleep during... They're doing a job. If you take the kid in there, put him down and sleep next to him, that's negligent. I'm but not sure I hear the difference. If you're there feeding them, that's not your... Yeah, but why? If I knew I was tired and there's a chance I could fall asleep feeding them, so why? I'm not sure I understand the difference. Why am I less negligent? Just because I was doing something... Is it so you can make the argument, like in this case, the guy was doing him a favor. He was driving him to Haifa. And that's variety. Right? Why is that relevant? Why the fact that I'm doing something to help the person, why does that make it less negligent? I'm not sure I, I understand the difference there. She's performing an act as a mother by feeding the child, and if in that act she then becomes tired and falls asleep, there shouldn't be any negligence. Like I agree. Why? Cause, cause Why? That's not Did she know she was tired? Did she mother, sleep enough? It doesn't people? matter. It, it, they Rabbi, kind of fall asleep wait, every have, time they do it. Yeah, you have. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. That's, I that's a bigger. But they that do. That means even more negligible. If you know no, you fall asleep. But from what I hear, a mother, a new mom, can't help but be tired all the time because of the lack of sleep that they get because they're always getting up. It's not negligent to, to feed that's the kid. That's what husband needs to get more negligent not to feed the kid in any state, regardless of whether you're tired. That's when you need the father to wake him up. Why can't? I'm not a mother. I don't, I don't have yeah, that. You need to wake them up. Yeah. Or to allow the mother time during the day to go to sleep to nap. Like, I'll do job. my best, but she'll still be tired and the kid still needs feet. Oh, he said you need to give her more time. You're taking, kid, taking care of the kid during the day. I'll do what I can. Okay, so so uh, so bottom line is here. Just so so um, to turn to the back, distracted driving. These kinds of so this is having actually applied it to texting. These all these precedents are with sleeping, falling asleep while driving. 
So he says these so I'm saying here, these concepts certainly apply to distracted, distracted driving. If the driver becomes distracted because of conditions beyond his control and gets into a fatal crash, it could be considered an onus. That means it's um, what we said before as beyond his control. Um, and therefore, onus literally means an accident. So in those cases, he's not necessarily responsible for the loss of life or damages. Again, if there's something else, let's say a rock hits your window from a dump truck in front of you, and that's why you lost control of your car, that would be a, a classical case of complete onus. Now again, if you're driving too close to the dump truck, or you know you, you could have avoided, should have avoided, then that's where you get the gray areas. But I'm saying if it's something that's totally beyond your control, then of course, again, you wouldn't be liable. However, by picking up a cell phone or texting, the driver is knowingly putting others in a potentially dangerous situation, as we said. So the fact that I'm picking up the phone, there's no way you can claim something that's beyond your control. It was. The fact that you made that choice to send the text or read the text or post on your Facebook while you're driving, that alone is, is um, neg complete neg negligence, according to these three responses that we quoted from Vlad Yosef. Now, as far as determining uh, the, in, in the Torah, what's fascinating is the Torah itself, in the Bible itself, it lists five forms of, ne of liability. Okay, there are five categories of liability, um, and I list them here. One is actual nezek, that means the actual loss. You have to pay for the actual loss and damages that you, that, that you caused, which is debatable exactly how to define that, meaning is it the value, do you go by the value, do you go by, it's relevant to now for those of us who are dealing with the flood. So replacement value, is it um, the actual value? Um, you know, that's, that's debatable, and there are different opinions as to how that's assessed in when it comes to the Torah also. Um, there's sar, which means pain and suffering. Okay, this is fascinating. The Torah, again, was written 5,000 years ago. It had these five forms of jam damages. Sar, which is the pain and suffering, well, not irrelevant to the damage, not the loss, the monetary loss, but the emotional um, suffering is assessed also. And there's different ways to assess that, uh, complicated ways to assess that. There's a whole tractate dealing with these forms of damages. Ripui, which means medical expenses. The Torah obligates one to pay for the other person's medical expenses, besides, the, again, the actual monetary damage. Um, shevet, which is uh, loss of income. Okay, so there's, there's, that's also a form of damage. The person's going to be out of work for X amount of time. Um, you have to compensate them for their loss of income. Um, and Boshet, which, we, I, by the way, we discussed in the past, the loss of income. He did a, do a class on that. Boshet is humiliation, which is um, shame. Um, meaning, so even besides the, the pain and suffering, there's the concept of embarrassment. If the guy has to walk around with a patch on his eye, and he, whatever the case was, so he'd be slow. It's, if he was a model, you have to pay him that now he can't model. Whatever it was, uh, he or she can't model, because they have a patch on their eye, or they're disfigured. That's, that's loss of income, but besides that, there's just the embarrassment. And now they have, they're disfigured. Um, that in itself, humiliation, is another form um, of, of damages. So, so what's interesting is, besides Nezek and Ripoy, which is the actual loss and damages and medical expenses, the rest we don't do today halachically. And the reason is because um, these are what's called knasan. Those are penalties. You know, everything else besides Nezek and Ripoy, meaning the actual loss and damages and the medical expenses, are what's called penalties. The rest is all considered in the, in the category of penalties. And a penalty, we don't in the Jewish court of law today, um, that we're not, we don't, we don't rule on penalty cases. Jewish court, again, the Jewish court of law, we'll get to the, so obviously, if you're dealing with a, a secular court of law, 
that's something else. But in a Jewish court of law today, they do not give penalties. We only can charge you or take cases of actual damages. We only make rulings on actual damages, which is medical expenses and the actual loss and damage. So the other three wouldn't be relevant. Um, he discusses that here in his response. And, um, as far as, again, from the, from the Jewish court of law. Now there's another thing which is very important to know in Jewish law. Many times, even though we can't charge you in a Jewish court of law, um, like we said, let's say, for example, we discussed before, causation. In the case that's considered grama, let's say the case where you pull away the mattress, that classical case, we still, there's a concept in Jewish law, a fascinating concept, which is discussed, which is called chiv b'day shamayim. That means even though we in, in a court of law, in a betin, we cannot take the case because technically you're not liable. But it doesn't mean when you get up to the white pearly gates, you're still going to be liable. You did something wrong. Okay, so you know, let's say the case of pulling away the mattress, that case. So even though, again, technically in the court of law we can't charge you, but clearly you're an idiot for pulling away the mattress when you saw the vase coming down, and therefore you're liable, it's called bidei shemayim, it means in the hands of heaven, you're still liable. So in many cases, and I actually had a case like this, I'll tell you if I remember the details, where the ruling, the, the rabbi told me, I'm not liable for actual damages, um, they, you know, you don't, I don't technically have to pay, but it means when I get up there, I'm going to be liable. So therefore, you might want to pay it anyway, is basically what they're saying. So it's a fascinating concept. The case, if I remember, I don't remember the details correctly, all the details, but it was actually in Israel, where I made reservations in a bed and breakfast in Sfat. Um, and then uh, the two days before, her mother was with us. Um, she ended up getting sick. This was around six years ago in Israel. She didn't feel well. We decided, you know, we didn't feel like go without her. We leave her alone in our apartment in Jerusalem. So we didn't end up. We canceled the reservations. Um, and the guy said, "Listen, you still have to pay me." It was one of these. It's not, it wasn't like a. There's no contract. It was just basically a phone call. One of these people has like a room they rent. Um, so I called, and it was a good point. You know, do I have to pay malachically or not? So being uh, the dean of the Jewish Ethics Institute. <laughs> I felt like I had to decide what to do. I had to, so I called the rabbi. I went, actually went to ask a question of Rabbi in Jerusalem, um, in, uh, you know, I, and I asked him. So he said, technically, I'm, I'm exempt, but bidina shemayim, meaning in the laws of heaven, you, there's some liability there, and therefore, I should pay him anyway, or at least half, um, or at least part of it. You know, come to a because it's the right thing to do. That's it's more than the right, the right thing to do. If you don't show, let's say, for a three-day stay. Yeah, but this wasn't really a hotel. Again, there was no fine print. Day, yeah, right. But this was, there was no fine print here. This was just a guy who was renting yeah. out a room in his, you know, in his, in his uh, bomb shelter or something. You know, probably. So, so there was no contract. There was nothing. Just the word of mouth. But again, I canceled. So he said, "Listen, technically, you're you're exempt from paying him, but you should do it anyway." So I, I think I ended up. I remember what I ended up doing. I don't want to. So yeah, I ended up sending him something. Was I don't remember. It was nice, a full amount. Was it a nice place? I don't know. I wasn't there. Right? I never went. <laughs> I never went. So this is the this is the really the question here. There's an obligation in the eyes of heaven. So even if you, there's certain things you're technically exempt from by the law, there's still what like you're saying. What the what's the ethical thing to do? Okay. Now the, then you have the whole and we're running out of time. But the, you have the whole other question of what's called dina de machus dina. We discussed many times. If according to the law you're liable, even though halachically you're exempt, so you might still be. Um, you're not. You might. In many cases, according to many authorities, you're still obligated to pay since that's the law of land. So, for example, if there's a law in Bel Air prohibiting texting. So, even though halachically, 
might say maybe I'm exempt, it's causation, maybe you have a lot of loopholes, but halacha says you have to respect the law of the land um, when it comes to monetary aspects in certain instances. Now, there are, there are, it's not across the board law, um, there's a lot of uh, legal legalities involved, but we don't have time to go through them. So basically what we're saying is, again, the conclusion is, let's read you the conclusion here, texting or talking on the cell phone while driving puts others at risk and is consciously creating a dangerous situation. Torah writes, you shall not put blood in your house, that's what we said, clearly endangering other people's lives is a problem, a biblical problem. The Talmud learns from here, prohibited to have dangerous animals or a shaky ladder, and if I'm going to have a ladder that's missing a, a, missing a, a rung, and, and I'm giving it, and uh, you know, a guy, a contractor comes to my house, I give him that ladder, that's a problem. You're hold, you even it says keeping that ladder in your house. It's the fact that you have it in your garage and someone might use it without your knowledge is a problem. Um, having something that's dangerous in your home, you know, like we're saying, is a problem. We find that a person whose animal killed a person is punishable by death at the hands of heaven. Again, um, Chaim Brisker says, understood this, that this demonstrates there's a total obligation to make sure not to cause monetary or bodily harm to anyone else. So even monetary harm, which by the way you could say, one can argue and say, listen, if I call someone damages, so I didn't violate a sin, even unintentionally, the point is, listen, so I'll pay him back, and I fulfilled, the, I did everything, there's, there's no technical quote-unquote sin involved, because I damaged him, I'm going to pay him. So, so Sarah, Brisker says, no, it's not true, there's a prohibition not to damage someone, even if you're going to pay him. Okay, what's the problem? Now, listen, I made everything whole again. I, I, hurt, I messed up his lawnmower, and I broke it, but I'm going to fix it. No, so there's a prohibition, you say, even to cause monetary harm to someone is prohibited, um, even if you're going to fix it up. Clearly, texting and talking on the phone while driving violates all these above prohibitions, so there clearly is a problem. Um, and we need to, like I said, I'm guilty of this sometimes. Um, it's something, it's, it's, first of all, it's an addiction for many people. Many people that are on their cell phones, it's, it's well, even when they're driving, they just can't stop, they can't stop themselves. Um, teenagers especially, I mean, yeah. there's been a whole, actually, movement within Orthodox Judaism about Shabbat. It, it seems like it's so prevalent, uh, even teenagers who are Shomer Shabbat, they, there are many of them, they just can't, it's an addiction, they can't stop texting on Shabbat. So now they came out with an app now, which mm-hmm. somehow technologically allows you, not a violation of Shabbat, to text on Shabbat. There's been a lot of discussion about it for these teenagers who, they want to keep Shabbat, but they, they can't stop texting. <laughs> it's a sad situation out there. Um, so it's something we need to be uh, vigilant about. And, and again, we blame it on teenagers, but it's, a, it's adults too, huh? I was going to say, put their phones in a box for Shabbos. Lock no, they have. They have actually text, texting boxes, Shabbat texting boxes. They sell them in Judea. You put your phone in cell phone boxes for Shabbat. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, thank you. And uh, hopefully we should all be able to control ourselves and not text. Right. Uh, Thank you.